What is it you want, Barry? What do you want? You, you want the moon? Just say the word and I'll throw a lasso around it and pull it down. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, dying times here. Come with me if you want to live. That's it, man. Game over, man. Game over. The Force will be with you. Always. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to 20th Century Geek. This is one of your promotional episodes. We're here today to talk about Home to Stay, the complete Ray Bradbury EC stories. I've read it. It's a review. Go check out uh, 20thcenturygeek.com for the written review. But today I'm getting to talk with the fantastic uh, Mr. Greg Bear. Uh, sci-fi author in his own right but also has written an introduction to this great book um greg how are you doing you okay i'm doing okay yeah um you know this this is a, a quite a fun thing for me because having known ray for so many years i'm just delighted to be able to write about him and talk about him no it's good and it's it's such a good collection as well um it is it's a, it's a fantastic collection. i've uh as you might guess from the sort of the name of the podcast, 20th Century Geek, it's I'm, I'm much a fan of these sort of, um, you know, I'll say retro, but this is sort of like these EC, early EC stories and all sorts of stuff, they're fantastic. Uh, so to have a complete collection of all of, of you know, uh, Ray Bradbury's stories all in one place, uh, and the supplementary material is one thing that I, I highlighted. This isn't just, we should say, this isn't just a collection of just like black and white comics, or that. this has got a whole load of stuff uh, to go with it. Um, but yeah, so let's, you know, this is available from, uh, Fantagraphics. Um, but, but Greg, you, you obviously wrote the introduction, but you also knew Ray from, I don't, you know, you haven't got to give away a year, but quite a long, quite a while. In 1967. 1967. And, and, uh, you know, uh, got him involved, uh, along with Sheldorf and others at San Diego Comic-Con. And he was there every single session, uh, for the next 30 years or more. And uh, he was a delightful fellow, but also as kids, we would go to his lectures, mm. sitting in his lectures. And that's where he talked about all this stuff that he loved, uh, not just the comic strips of, uh, of Flash Gordon and, uh, uh, you know, uh, that sort of thing. He, he also loved uh, comic books and things and, and movies and, and TV, uh, more, more, more movies than TV at that point. But uh, he certainly was involved in TV later on. Um, yeah. Ray's stories were amazing. He, he often talked about going to EC and basically saying, hey, guys, you know, you do lovely work, but you're, you're taking some of my stories and you're, you're messing with them. How about we have uh, a formal relationship here? And that's, uh, that's how that all began. Um, in fact, uh, Al Feldstein and William Gaines really understood how much they could promote Ray's name. Mm. the comic books uh, later on of course it became a political issue and ray had to kind of back down a little bit because the house on american activities committee or whatever it was that was investigating ec yes. was pretty tense about this and this was the frederick wortham years and this was the end of ec mm. what the ec was in the ray bradbury stories i think and the art artistry and the, the creation going on there was just amazing and it's a beautiful book all full color, which mm. we have seen for quite a while. You know, all these color plates and stuff of of the EC uh, panels—they're just amazing. And that's the thing. I think you know the, the two things to pick up there is this idea of, of um, 
the imagination and artistry that went into these stories. There was, there's, there's a, there was a free, as you say, this is pre-comics code. This is pre-1954. And, you know, they had that freedom to really sort of explore things and, and you know, not in a lurid way, because, I mean, but there's some really, you know, there's some intense... Well, some of it was kind of lurid, too. Yeah, right? was, yeah. They got really angry, you know, <laughs> uh, laying out your guts on a baseball diamond. Is, yeah. is <laughs> but, you know, kids love these stories. They love oh, yeah. the aspect. They love the science fiction aspect, the monsters, all that stuff. And Ray gently fitted into all of that. And uh, his stories were done so respectfully and so beautifully, especially by Al Feldstein and... and mm. uh, and Heyman and, uh, and Jack Davis, that, that this collection is just, and finally, finally it's here and it's just astonishing. Yeah, it is wonderful. The imagination, but again, we should say, you know, we, we've saying it's, um, you know, this is EC and EC obviously gets very sort of closely linked with, um, you know, the Crypt Keeper and, and, you know, the horror side of things. And those are definitely in here. I mean, there's some sort of, you know, there's some great ones um, and some intense ones. I think it opens with um, The Lake, which, um, That's pretty cool, yeah. it's it's a fantastic story it's a real sort of an emotional gut punch as well um but this is also the book's also got a lot of the uh, the martian chronicles stories and so it becomes like an absolute sort of um an anthology of, of science fiction stories as well and the imagination involved in this i mean you know you you can talk to this but ray bradbury was very much it seems like a man of of imagination of ideas like he never locked himself into one thing it was just open to everything would that be the case sort of yeah, Bradbury uh, wasn't given credit for being the kind of scientific thinker that he actually mm. was. Uh, not often, anyway. He was considered kind of a humanist, uh, human-loving uh, writer of character and and uh, and stuff like that. But Ray also invented uh, virtual reality in in one of his stories in uh, The Velt. If mm. you think about it, those kids going to Africa, that's virtual reality. That's of the course. Metal. Yeah, you know? and uh, and to, to remember that, and to remember that he also uh, involves so many scientific principles, like wall screen TVs in Fahrenheit four five one, and and you know so many things that, that kind of became standard. Uh, he was a, definitely a, a thinker of some some note in science fiction. Yeah, well, let's say it's, those are some ideas, and 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 if you mentioned the Vell, that's a story I hadn't really thought about. But it's um, yeah, that's I read that quite a long time ago. Um, but those, but for you, like you know, you obviously knew him. You met in 1967, and, and sort of you know, uh, as a, a young person, sort of like having that relationship with him. I'm assuming like he was almost like an inspiration then, and he was sort of you know, I'm assuming he was. And as you sort of say in your introduction, like he would encourage you to sort of be open to these things as well. The uh, the things that Ray taught us as as kids in his lectures and and meeting him in person and so on was do not give up on what you love. Mm. Don't. Look people shame you out of anything you love if you love it keep loving it and uh, also you know uh, he basically kept lay down uh, some of the tropes that became part of San Diego Comic-Con and uh, and and he was always a popular speaker there hugely popular and uh, you know to, to to bring one of the best speakers in the world to Comic-Con was quite an extraordinary thing but we also had Jack Kirby and a lot of other people there and so San Diego Comic-Con really got off to a great start with these personalities. Yeah, it, it did. I mean, it's um, it's one of those things, isn't it? It came out of a passion. I mean, it, it seems like, you know, as many of these things do, these people sort of like, they, they, they invent these things, they create the genre, but they're obviously clearly passionate about it as well, much like yourself. You know, you sort of, 
you have a passion for the genre sort of that you you exist as part of absolutely um, that, that passion uh you know that that uh david clark in a conversation with jack kirby um i don't know if he's recorded this or not might might be in the uh see you in san diego book but the uh the things that they talked about, Jack Kirby says, you know, all of these comic strips are just waiting to have movies made. There's a huge universe going on here that 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 you can just exploit as films or TV. And and David quite agreed. And then suddenly, you know, 20 years later, it happened. Mm. Oh, we've got, you know, comics, basically Marvel comics, but also DC and so on, dominating uh, all of this stuff. And this would have been astonishing to people in the 1950s. Oh yeah, I can imagine. I, I often think about this of sort of um, you know the opportunities of seeing you know some of these people, the young people may not have seen it like Jack Kirby, but to see things, their creations on screen. <clears throat> um, I mean, Ray did get to see some of his things, you know, as uh, the films were made, and, and he said he was involved in TV. Yeah, quite a few of them. Yeah, there mm -hmm. was. A, first was uh, Beast from Twenty Thousand Fathoms. Mm -hmm which was Ray Harryhausen. So I partnered with Ray Harryhausen on that one and they were old friends. They, he, he, uh, Ray, Ray Bradbury had been, uh, 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 Ray Harryhausen had been best man at Ray Bradbury's wedding. Oh, wow. They were good friends and we, I had the, uh, my uh, daughter and I had the pleasure of, of interacting with them in person at uh, the King Kong celebration and 65th anniversary of King Kong, but also at a convention in St. Louis. And, uh, and just hearing their stories on a panel, asking questions about what these guys loved to hear about or read about in the 1930s and 40s when they first met, 19, I think 1939, um, you know, was, was quite a privilege because when they got together, uh, they would kind of go into the banter that they would get into as teenagers. And this gave us <laughs> insight into what they were like as teenagers. And so when they got together, one of the first things they said is, they, they yelled out in unison, Gustav von Seifertitz, <laughs> which people may not know this, but he was a well-known uh, character actor in the 1930s, and he was a she. But they thought they loved his name, as can you imagine, <laughs> with a name like that, and how yeah. you're, you can you can slip that into school conversation and not get in trouble. You know, <laughs> it was an amazing uh, insight into what they were like as kids. These young pioneers, so, and that's one of the things I think about, you know, about friends is when you've got those <clears throat> those people in your life that do take you back to that younger they make you feel young um yep. yeah, and, and inspire it's quite that's a, a it's one of the things i feel you know i i'm too young i'm getting old i'm you know i'm in middle age now but i'm, I'm too young to have met these people i often think oh it's a real shame that these these panels and these people these titans of of you know the genre and, and, and sort of sci-fi and uh geekdom really um you know, have talked on these panels, and they wouldn't, half of them have never been recorded. You know, it's a shame that this sort of thing's been lost. But uh, um, must have been amazing to have seen them talk and uh, to you know to keep. Well, yeah, they did a lot of that at, at Comic Con uh, in San Diego, and they, when they got together, they had a ball, uh, and so did the audience. Mm. Uh, the stories were very funny and very appropriate, just as Ray's stories were when he was uh, talking alone. Uh, uh, Ray Harryhausen didn't start coming out to regularly to California until the 1980s or thereabouts, I think after he retired. Um, and we actually ran into him at uh, Brian Aldous's house in uh, Oxford in 1983 or thereabouts. No, 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 uh, later, mm. later. 
But, uh, you know, that was to actually encounter him. And, and so I had an embarrassing moment when I said, you know, Ray, uh, uh, Mr. H, we, we uh, as kids, we had this dance that we would do that would imitate your animation style. I says, oh, really? He says, well, what was it? Can you do it for me? And so I had to get up and dance. <laughs> His characters moved. It was an astonishing, you know, sort of uh, elbows out and, and stepping back and forth uh, of, the, of the beast from 20,000 fathoms or uh, the emer from uh, 20 million miles to earth. You know, just just as kids, we absorbed these motions, and they were part of his of his uh, choreography. That was mm. just astonishing for for Harryhausen. For Bradbury, I read his stories starting around the age of nine or ten, and just loved them. And and uh, you know, later on, we were given the opportunity by Ballantine Books to buy some of the EC comics. I think nearly all the EC comics came out in two collections um, that were quite astonishing. With Rosetta covers of all things. Mm. They, they were available for 50 cents or whatever, you know, at your local drugstore. And boy, did we absorb those. And that <laughs> was the beginning of our passion for the EC Comics version of Ray Bradbury. Yeah. I mean, it's, it seems like you say it's sort of a slightly, because I, you know, I've read, um, you know, several of his books and some of his short stories and things like that. And um, they exist in a place. And there's a sort of, I always think, like, you know, um, come up on my shelf actually um but you know uh, something wicked this way comes or sort of fahrenheit you know and, and those, there's a lyricism to the way he writes and then you go into the comics and as you say sort of it's just, it's this you can tell it's the same but there's a different he's, he's changing the tone or in the approach to do it in a comic and i, I think i you know it's, it, he knew his medium as well as the sort of the genre which i think so um, well i think he let I, I think he let the comic artists and the writers do this sort of thing and they did a beautiful job mm. and they were good at ac of doing uh lovely adaptations or stealing of stories <laughs> and uh, uh you know uh later on talking with ray um there was a time when a tv show came out i think it was called journey to the unknown um which did a version of the story the crowd that bradbury had mm. and, uh, and so i i uh, i talked to ray i sent a note to him and it says, hey, they stole this. This is, you know, a, a screenwriter named Cordwainer Bird says it's his story. And, uh, and he says, uh, I, I'm not going to sue them. Hey, for one thing, they're in England, and that's a problem. But it says, I'm just not going to sue them. And the reason he said that was because in the 1950s, he had sued for a, uh, The Sound of a Different Drummer, I think it was called, mm -hmm. um, for a story that was kind of based on Fahrenheit 451. And, and on appeal, he won that. But it cost him a couple of years of effort and mm -hmm. really tore him out. And he did not want to do that again. And I think when he came to the, uh, the EC Comics things, he says, you know, I think about suing them. Maybe, maybe it's, it's important, but, but you know, uh, I don't want to. And um, so I'm going to write to them. And I'm going to say, hey, guys, these are lovely pieces of art. Uh, but they're, they're borrowed from my stories, aren't they? And, and how would you like to work with me? And they said, yes. And that was a <laughs> moment that led to this book. And their collaboration was between Bill Gaines and uh, Al Feldstein and all the other artists involved. It was quite sincere and really reflective of how much they loved their own work, but also Ray's stories. And some of the panels that Wally Wood did and so on are just astonishing pieces of artwork, certainly from the Cold War period. And you think mm -hmm. of the of the panel uh which is in the book of course of um 
the shadows of all the children in There Will Come Soft Rain. Yes. Into the walls of the house, you know? And that's, that's an image from Hiroshima and Nagasaki, actually, which we had shadow figures left behind after the atom bombs went off. And Ray was in there, and so were the artists. And this is, it's an astonishing insight into what it was like being a kid back in those days. Well, it's interesting that I say, I was just looking at the images then, it's sort of like the artistry, because that image, actually, as you were saying, I was just, I just had it popped up on the screen. And I was like, yeah, it, it, the, the artistry, the, the, the ink, I mean, you know, artists and comic art has changed over the decades. But the thing to recognise is that, like, you know, this is, this is one of those books um, where I'm just going to pick up, there's a, there's a page, almost every page, is, was a, is a page where I'm like, I'd like that as an art piece. I'd, I'd like that. Absolutely. Yeah. The original, I, I, the, the I original don't know art. if they ever sold those originals. I, I think uh, uh, Gaines may still have them all. But, but, you know, they were amazing. And if they were up for sale now, they'd go for tens to hundreds of thousands of dollars. Oh, no doubt. I mean, um, there's there's a detailing and it's, you know, the, the inking and stuff like, you know, you said that, you know, obviously there's, there's the ones in color, but even just in black and white, they're so effective. Um, there's one here. Is, is it Let's Play Poison? Or, um, was it one of the stories? Yeah, Let's Play Poison was one that really affected. Like, you know, I read and I was like, oh, this is a real impactful story. But some of the, the images in there, again, of I'm not going to spoil anything, but there's some there's some quite um, the ki there's kids involved and one of them gets hurt and stuff. And it's sort of like the way it's depicted. You're like, yeah, this is really quite hard hitting, but it's it's beautifully illustrated. Absolutely beautiful. Yeah, well, you know, th think of the artists doing this work. Wally Wood, of course was an amazing artist, not just for EC, but later on, mm. uh, everything, uh, comic covers and all that sort of stuff. Um, and then you think of, uh, of uh, oh, I'm, I'm blanking on uh, um, TV Guide uh, cartoonist, uh, Jack Davis. You know, when you think of Jack Davis and the influence he had with his characters, which are a little funnier, but not necessarily in the Bradbury story. In the Bradbury story, the line is just, their, their art line is an amazing combination of different things, including, and I think some of the most famous EC comic artists, um, their horror artists uh, uh, were just, uh, they, they, they were astonishingly impactful. Mm. All the kids who saw them and imitated them, and boy, did we imitate them. You know, we'd try to grab these things, just as we did later on with Mad Magazine and so on. We'd try to figure out, okay, how do you do that? You know, how yeah. can you grab something like that? <laughs> but these these stories are, are primo artistry in all of the cases. Yeah, I, I agree, hundred percent. I mean, they're they're an absolute beauty to look at, and that's why I sort of you know just you could just skim through them. I mean, there's a lot of dialogue, and that's one of the differences. I think you know just for anyone who is to do just take on this book, and I recommend it like highly for you know if you're an EC fan, if you're a Ray Bradbury fan, if you're a science fiction or horror fan, it's totally worth your time. Um, but there's definitely a sort of a slightly different. Um, skill to reading comics today as to what it was then because you know there's, there's large sort of uh, there's more dialogue and stuff but it's sort of it's it's the, t the telling of the story is so so brilliant um you won't notice it after the first couple of panels i wouldn't have thought well you know the, the, there were a lot more words mm. come back in those days and what they've done now is they've kind of focused on the imagery which is great uh, but, you know, uh, to, to convey some of these stories, stories by Ray Bradbury or Neil Gaiman or so on, you kind of need more mm -hmm. log and more text uh, than we have uh, uh, perhaps available to us 
you know, when you think of uh, Swamp Thing or that kind of stuff, uh, there's a lot going on here that you kind of need to have explained to you. And uh, the, the whole history of comics is this back and forth between the word and the image. <laughs> you can't get along without either of them. 100%. But in books, in, in Ray's case, you know, basically writers just sit around and for the most part, uh, they just write down words. And those words have to convey that imagery. And this was clear in Bradbury's stories. And what was astonishing about this is it worked so well to get these artists to collaborate with Ray mm. on the word and picture combination. And that's the thing, it is a collaboration. I mean, you, you know, look at these, uh, uh, I'm just gonna pick another one, but there's that idea of the collaboration of the way they sort of use them. Um, there's a panel, the, the first page of there was an old woman, it's like, they, they know that there's a sort of uh, a volume of text to be included. And yeah. you know, instead of having it as a, just a block of text, like it's included into the image, like it flows around things. And so, like, you know, you know what you're going to read, but like it's a part of the storytelling. And so it's sort of well, that was there. That was also part of the way the style ran in the comics. Mm. Those comics are so beloved today is they're just really interesting uh, works of graphic art. Yeah. Then that's it. There's a skill, you know, that I think I wouldn't say it's lost, but like it, it, it's a different style um, today. But that's why things I sort of admire about these is that um, artistry. And that's the graphic design, the sort of the, the illustration of it that, that you know, they've got to encompass everything um, is, is wonderfully well done. Um, but Greg, how did you? I mean, the one thing I wanted to ask is, is you know, you wrote the introduction to this book um and there's a lot of other an introduction there's actually two other very scholarly introductions i was gonna say yeah, there's a lot of history and, and really mm. taught me some things i did not know uh apparently in 1970 at the first comic-con ray was saying yeah i seriously considered suing them we didn't know that mm. until the speech was kind of uh, uh put up on, on on the history pages and uh he never did and he didn't i think for those two reasons a because he kind of thought this was going to be an interesting thing to get involved in these are creative people, but also he didn't want to take the time away from his work mm. to sue somebody else again. And uh, even though he won that first time, it was only an appeal. It was very arduous. Yeah, a lot of effort. You know, um, so I, I think I think that's why uh, hearing Ray speak about this was so key to our youth was because he was already acquiring a sort of wisdom about how to do things. The master, he was sort of in the shadow of the master, learning the ways for the future. Um, but how did you get involved in the book? I mean, you know, you were uh, obviously you know, you're the first sort of you. You are the intro to the book, sort of is there. But like, um, how did you get involved? Was it sort of did you, did you they bring asked me. They, they came to no, you. I'm, I'm, I've been a fan of Fantagraphics for years and have been mm. collecting many of their books. But they uh, and they're up here in the Seattle area, and so you're we, we're local basically. And uh, and so Mr. Katrana um, just sent me a note saying, "How would you like to do an introduction to this?" And says, "Would I?" <laughs> would. You know, and so what he wanted was he wanted the reminiscences of Ray's earlier years. Mm. Uh, he was in his 40s when I first met him, but well, that went on for 45 years between us uh, of uh, my going to conventions, going to uh, speeches, uh, going to his house a number of times, uh, having uh, met him in, in St. Louis and other places in, in league with Ray Harryhausen and really kind of getting... I'm a big fan of science fiction history. Um, mm. You know, to be a part of it is, is amazing to me, but to listen to it is fascinating. And we listened, as kids, we listened to Ray's stories with, with 
definitely wide open ears. Yeah, no, like I say, taking it all in. No, it's wonderful. I mean, he, after all, he could tell us stories about John Houston. Yeah. And uh, there's a very, very funny story about John Houston where Ray was working on Moby Dick's screenplay, comes into Houston's office in Ireland, and 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 is starting to you know hand his pages over to Mr. Houston, and he says, "Ray, Ray, I've got something to tell you. There's something going on at the studio." They don't believe we have enough female love interest in this story. So they want to have a main character who's female in Moby Dick. And, and I'm, I'm not replicating the exact wording, but, but at that point, Ray just kind of blew up. He had already been under pressure. And a screenplay was a very hard thing to do, especially with a director mm -hmm. like uh, Houston. And, uh, and, and Ray blew up. And then he looked over at the corner uh, and saw Houston behind his desk. And Houston was just cracking a big old smile. He'd been waving this, this postcard that the studio says, we need a woman in Moby Dick. And, and Ray realized that he was, he was had. You know, there was no mm. postcard. <laughs> Houston was just joking. And boy, that was quite a story to tell to us kids. Yeah. I and mean, that's the beauty of them. It's, it's, it's wonderful to hear all these things because it is that sort of going back, you know, into sort of the golden age of these things and a connection to... Um, as you said, to be part of it, you know, you you are a part of that history. As it sort of like it passes on, um, and it must have been wonderful to sort of to, to say to sort of like you know listen at the feet of, of Ray Bradbury and, and um, you know this is where I hope that this you know I hope that my you know this this book is fantastic. I think you know you get to read the comics, you get to read the strips, but like you say, the supplementary material, your introduction, the other introductions, there's some there's some um, reprinted things at the back, you've got all the covers. Like, this, is, this is such a, a, a fantastic package. Um, I know well, Fanographics did an amazing job on mm. it. They would. They have on so many books. And, uh, uh, you know, we've also got this history of uh, uh, See You at San Diego, which is by uh, Mr. Klickstein, edited by him. And it's all the San Diego Comic-Con kids and the elders who came in and guided us. And it's their words, and it's uh, got Ray Bradbury in there, and pictures of Ray, and all that sort of stuff. And it's it's also quite an interesting volume. But but you put these two together in the same you know half year period, and boy, what a combination of history here! It's just astonishing. But if you're a comics fan, this book is absolutely essential. You've got oh, 100. Yeah. It's some of the best reproductions we've ever seen of EC Comics. Yes, it's clean, so so clean. I mean, you know, you, you, essential is the word. If you've, you know, if you've got any love or any affection for these comics, this book is so so worth your time, um, and you know everything that comes with it. I mean, you know, like you say, it's it's uh, it will look fantastic on your shelf, and it's one of those ones I think you'll take down on a regular basis. Just to... also, quite, it's quite large, and you know mm -hmm. the, that you get of looking at the the uh, uh, physical appearance of the book. It's quite beautiful. It's, it's got a lot of intricate detail and impressings and all that sort of stuff. It's, it's really a magnificent effort. Yes, it, it really is. And it's worth every penny. It's, it's, it's going to look lovely on my shelf, is how I will say it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, but I, 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 shall, I shall draw to a close there. Um, but, uh, but Greg, uh, thank you very much for, for your time. Uh, my pleasure. And it, it is, and again, sort of, you know, I'm, there will be links down below uh, in the notes to both Fantagraphics and this will be out there, so go find it, go check it out. Uh, I've also done a review on, on uh, 20th Century Geek website. There'll be a link down to that as well. Um, cool. but, but Greg, yes, thank you very much. Um, my pleasure. One of my favorite topics is being discussed here, so that's cool. 
Yes, and I, I want everyone else to see it. This is why I'm doing this because I'm, I'm a fan of of of, you know, of 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 Ray Bradbury and to see these DC comics and so to to sort of get to talk to you and, and everything has been has been wonderful. Um, and so I greatly appreciate your time and doing okay, good seeing you. Yes, but thank you very much. Appreciate it, and hopefully we might talk again uh, in the future. I'd love to. Okay, take care. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Well, ladies and gentlemen, there you have it. Another great 20th Century Geek episode. Thank you for listening. If you would like to get in contact to suggest topics for future shows or just chat about everything nerdy, you can email me at 20thCenturyGeek at gmail.com. That's 20thCenturyGeek at gmail.com. Or find me on social media, Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Just search for 20th Century Geek. If you would like to support the show, please go on your podcast catcher and leave a five-star review. I would greatly appreciate it. It raises the show in the ranks and lets more people know about the podcast. If you want to show more support for the podcast, we do have an Amazon wishlist. Just go on Amazon and search for 20th Century Geek and you will find a list of books that will help with research for future podcasts. And don't forget, we love second-hand books in 20th Century Towers. Once again, thank you for listening and we'll see you next time. Mm